Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Turkey hunt's one of my favorite things. And one of the key tools I use for turkey hunting is the Onyx Hunt Map. I use it incessantly when I'm hunting turkeys. Being able to find a new piece of public or gaining permission on private opens up opportunities for gobblers. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you this spring. Use the code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. You'll find more birds this season. I'm telling you, I rely on Onyx Hunt. When I'm hunting turkeys, it is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. If you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative, bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Giannis, uh, zap them with your uh, faraway elk bugle sound. gotten worse at it over the years hit it again because sometimes sometimes they're like they're like they they stir my soul (laughs) you have gotten worse over the years (laughs) i just wanted to set the mood because you guys you guys both two of our three guests both got elk three of our three two two who else got one i shot one last week sweet congrats hunting with the elk foundation that's cheating yeah yeah it was (laughs) weird it was a good time. We uh, it's pretty tough there still. Yeah, it was. I mean, there was a day and a half we didn't see or hear elk. Oh, okay. And then there was a morning where we saw and heard a lot of elk. And what was going on? What state were you in? We were in Montana, eastern Montana. Oh. So hunting, just you know, they were coming up river bottom and some farmland and catching them up, coming into the hills, picked them off, and I mean, it was uh, it was wild and crazy for about an hour and a half. Calling them or getting out in front of them? Got out in front of them and cow called them in. So there was 12 bulls bugling, so that just really got them to talk. It didn't actually uh, get them to come over, but then I just kind of snuck in and was able to cow call them over the ridge to us. Okay. 12 bulls bugling. Yeah, it was, uh, there was a big herd going through, and they were kind of navigating through. You know, what kind of big herd? I mean, there was 100 elk, easy. Really? Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's a there. bunch there's a bunch of different bulls with the harems, you know, of six or seven. Yeah, I got and you. And then my bull was kind of following up the rear, and I could hear him bugling off, and so we just waited till he got over out of sight, and then a cow called a couple times. He responded right away, and then I could tell he was coming our way, and I had found a pinch point that they all funneled through, and so we just waited there. Cow called one more time. He responded, and 
crested the hill and came into 40 yards. Really? Yeah. How far did he run after you hit him? He went a little ways, so no excuses. Didn't put the perfect shot on him, so hit him and ended up watching him go over the ridge a little bit and then decided to back out for a couple hours and went back, and he was dead there. So oh. he made it a couple hundred yards. Yeah. I kept it real in western Montana public land. Were you using Onyx? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> Sharing waypoints, <laughs> checking out where oh, water that, is. I got to look at intermittent streams to see where the water's going to be when I'm up on the mountain. Dip my little Nalgene in there. I use a SteriPen and that's smart. Get, get water. I don't like to carry water around, so just check out those intermittent streams. Get down there, get a little drink. Zach probably had to use Onyx just to figure out, make sure he wasn't going from one private to the wrong private. Yep, we were definitely navigating boundaries, making yeah. sure I was on the right places there. And then also just being able to mark, you know, we're sharing waypoints, where to be at certain times. What do you guys call that? This is kind of not off topic, but a little tangent here. But what do you guys, because I was talking to a friend of mine that was telling me about. We're not uh, done talking about elk hunting, are we? No. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> definitely still an elk hunting. But he was telling me about how his uh, guiding season was in Colorado. And he was saying, man, I had just the last week multiple, like a half dozen magic circles. Now, does that mean anything to you when someone said they were out It would elk depend hunting? on the context, man. Out, out hunting elk. Oh, okay. And they got into, like, the magic circle. No. I would, be, I would say, in that situation, I would say, um, would you happen to be referring to a honey hole? Hmm? Which, I know yeah, that You means. wouldn't ask them if there were any wizards involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Yeah. If he was hunting mushrooms, I would think he found a bunch of fairy rings. Well, I'd forgotten that we used that term back when I used to guide there. The too. magic circle? Yeah. This means like, like a, it means like a honey hole. No. Like a, a navel? No. Like a rut fest? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was thinking. Rut fest. Rut Some people fest. call it like a, I've heard it called a meatball. Never heard that one. I've heard it called a, um, God, what did the guy from Primos? Um, Will? G- Jim Horn from those early Primos videos used to call it. Uh, Oh gosh. Place where there is a lot of bugling elk activity. Sure. But it's so rare and it's so special that when you find yourself all the of a sudden magic in there. Circle. Yeah, and it's just like holy shit, they're 360 degrees. They're screaming. I don't have to talk yeah. I don't have to do anything. I can just stand here and most likely one's gonna come walking by me and you feel like you're in a yeah. magic circle. You know what? I'm gonna like start using it heavily. Ball or- <laughs> I'm gonna use it heavily, I'm gonna use it for Turks, and I'm gonna use it for elk. But that it just reminded me because it kind of sounded like you got yourself. Yeah, we did into that. We found them. They were migrating up, and no. What I do you mean migrating? They're displaced by pressure. They're doing their daily, like going to daily. get water and food and yep. sleeping. So they were down okay. at night. They would come out to the fields, and then you could hear them all night. You know, down in the hay fields, and then they would migrate up top into the hills, and they'd go bed up on the north facing slopes, and some on that property, some on the neighboring. But really, what it was is we could hear them, and there was two predominant ridges and a big creek in the middle, and so we kind of slowly went up at dark, or at first light, listened, and we could tell they were crossed, and when we got to that kind of cliff, we could just see them all moving up. So we had to dive down in the creek and go get in there, try to get ahead of them. Some had passed us at that point, and then I didn't call until I knew that last one was there. We just kept trying to sneak in, get on them. Ended up having a raghorn at like 50, Saw two really nice bulls fighting at about 110. Couldn't get around them. The wind was bad. Luckily, it was all coming down the drainage. And then uh, the biggest bull I saw, we had him at 150, and 
we were pinned down just some in some timber and big flat couldn't get across so i just told the cameraman i was like hey we can't do anything well, here filming. just film him yep you're, they're filming that one for one of their army videos yep so you're gonna be in it yep so i don't know if that one's going tv or online but yeah they were filming for that one so we got a couple of really nice bulls on camera just unfortunately i'm i'm an opportunist and that you know i knew that bull coming he was fired up and ready to go and i found the pinch point that he was going to go so we just waited and we were ready for him nice yeah it was a good hunt it was fun but i mean before that we had one bull no two bulls within 150 one within 100 you know it's not you know it was tough hunting they were kind of their normal patterns they weren't really following the script there so it was a lot of glassing a lot of silent days a couple days where we didn't see elk and then we ended up finding where they were do you have in your head uh do you have in your head like the distance beyond which i will not shoot absolutely i kind of do like a hard stop and i think it I think with elk, I think it moves that distance should be shorter or closer. They're tough animals. Yeah, and tough, I mean, man. They're not like, oh, you got me, and fall over. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it varies from everyone else, but everything's got to be perfect regardless. But 50 yards on an elk's a poke. I mean, that's a good shot. You know, yeah, I, I wound up having, um, yeah, in my head, like the, like the, the non-debatable distance beyond which you will not. And absolutely just not have be like well i'll wait and see yeah yes <laughs> you because know? they look big man yeah absolutely. we we're looking there day we were looking at a spike standing there and i'm like man you could you know lob an arrow over there don't <laughs> yeah. range for it's like 72 and i'm like well a lot of people do but that's a long distance for something that's aware of you absolutely and are you looking over yeah especially yeah. when they're aware of you man we learned you know we talked about this on the podcast on on monday but uh you know, we and and we got to review it because we filmed it. You know, but the Steve, the bullet Steve shot really jumped a string, and it was because he was aware, right? He was tensed up because something yep. was amiss. Yep, he was standing around long enough because he was still listening to a cat, a supposed cow over the hill, right? But like when he heard that arrow or the bow go off, man, he launched and we got a yeah. There's a frame. There's a frame where you there's a tree that there's a the arrows pass in front of a ponderosa. And the frame happened to catch the blur of the arrow. Okay. So you know where the arrow is in its flight path? Yeah. And that thing is already on its way. Yeah. Did you guys cow call him, stop him? Well, he, he was coming into a cow oh, call. Oh, he was coming But in, then, yeah. you know, Yanni was hiding and I was out You mean front. A- after the shot? No, before. So Eric and I were talking about this. My bull was moving parallel to me and I cow called him and he turned and looked. And, you know, we were wondering if that played into why I didn't hit exactly where I wanted oh. to. I'm not using that as an excuse, but preferably I mean, you use it like as an equivalent of saying like hey yeah, yeah exactly which works really well too yeah yep but but then it they're isn't... looking at you and yeah and then they're like they he had no yeah. idea i was there he was looking forward and then when i cow called you can see he looks right over on film and then when i shot obviously you can hear the string regardless how quiet a bow is they can hear something yeah. and so do you feel like he jumped too he he whirled a little bit absolutely i mean he turned but I think, I think what it was, I think he knew I was there when I cow called, and I think he wouldn't have, and if he would have stopped, I would have had, you know, an elk that had no idea. If he would have stopped. Yeah, if he would have stopped. And at that point, he's moving, you know, he's not moving yeah. fast, but he's moving to go up and yep. follow these other elk. 
And I shot last year at one that was just very slowly walking, thinking like, oh, there's no way. If I'm just tracking him, I touch off. It was like 20, 25 yards. There's no way that I won't just smoke him right where I'm aiming. And I, I didn't do it. I mean, I hit him way back. Yeah. You know, straight, yep. like just above the guts, no vitals. Yeah. And I know, you know, Eric and I were talking about that. And not to take his story, but he didn't cow call the stop. He was patient and it paid off. Well, I want to talk it. about that. Then I, want, <laughs> then I got to have you guys tell who you are first. But we'll, no. Oh, you want to hear well, the story first? You can tell who you are or you can just tell us about this, then tell you who you are. I'll just tell the story to start. And then you'll tell us who yeah. you are. Yep. So here's a story coming from so a is... from a just from a, a, a voice from the darkness, <laughs> <laughs> a lone voice from the blackness. So yeah, I was telling out, us an elk tale. Last weekend, I was out elk hunting with my brother-in-law. Can I stop you for a minute? Yeah. You used to guide. Yes, I did. Throw that in there because I used to guide over by where Zach was out hunting <laughs> okay. with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Eastern Montana. Mostly elk. Um, mule deer and elk, but. Yeah, I guided for a couple of seasons for elk hunting in, in September, all of September. That was a good time. Tiring, though, seven days. Seven days when you got the long days where you're getting back to camp at 10, eating, going to bed at 11, get up at 5 a.m., and they're trying to serve you a big breakfast after you. Tucker's yo. Ate it. I'm like, no, I cannot eat. I just ate it. Stuffed myself at 11 o'clock. Right. <laughs> I cannot eat. But, yeah, it tires you out. You guys would do seven-day hunts. Seven-day hunts over... This type of country, eastern Montana, the breaks type, type stuff, Yellowstone River breaks. And you had hunters that could, no problem, make it through that? Or did you get, have, feel like they waned no. after halfway through? Yeah, they could do it. When you're doing just one hunt, it's doable. But then you do one day of rest and then another hunt, seven days. Then one day of rest, seven more days. Another day of rest, seven days. And you're like, okay, I want to get behind the computer again. <laughs> that was fun, but... You're longing. <laughs> when you start longing for yeah. your computer... <laughs> If only to answer some emails. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the early days. But yeah, so... Uh, so there you are. Oh, there I am. I get in the circle. The what circle of life, was it? <laughs> what is the circle? Magic circle. The circle magic of magic. Circle. Yeah, the magic circle. the magic circle. So we... we but you're just hunting Joe Blow public land. Yep. Any Tom, Dick, and Harry. Tons of people go up this trailhead. Tons of people. So yeah, everybody... That's why I went Thursday morning. I found them and then we kind of bumped a little bit we figured they went into this other base and kind of worked around the other way and sure enough we figured they were in that base and so we went and made the trek up there about five miles and uh did a locate friday afternoon they responded um so we're like okay well let's set up our camp we actually went a little further went over the ridge set up camp came back and by that time we bugled from the road you guys on horseback or walking walking Okay. Yeah, by that time, we were on the road. It is a road, though, but... Um, it's a gated road? Yeah. And there was one above. We bugled, and there's response above, response below in this big basin. I'm like, oh, sweet. Well, why don't you... I wanted my brother-in-law to get one, so I'm like, go up after that one. He's above the road, and we don't really want to go down there. <laughs> that would not be fun. So he starts working in. I'm just... So I start bugling. They wouldn't answer to a cow call, but they're answering to a bugle. So I'm like, well, stick with what's working. Thinking that you're going to keep it talking, he's going to slip yeah. in there. So I'll keep him talking from 400 yards, and you just slip in and see what you can get. We know he's probably got cows. He's chuckling, so he's got cows up there. But just slip in and get close. That's kind of our strategy. So I kept him bugling, although the one below me was more responsive to all my bugles. So I just sat there and bugled. Well, sure enough, he's working in. Here comes a bugle coming up out of the basin. 
I'm like, geez, this one's going to come right in. It must be a satellite bowl, but he bugles, and I'm, I th- I'm about 100 yards from him, and he, must, he somehow got by me without me seeing him. And uh, Anyway, he ended up coming around, and he probably heard me and got close enough to be watching where the sound was coming from and got nervous. Um, but I kept bugling. My brother-in-law finally got close to that one. He said he got a 30-yard opportunity, but the bull came in, and the wind shifted a little bit and kind of walked off the other way. So we so close to that one, but I've been bugling for like every you know every ten minutes I bugle, do just do locate bugle, and this one just keeps responding. So I've been bugling for like an hour and a half now, and this one just you can tell he's like leaving his cows and like coming up halfway up the base and just I'm like geez he's like moving I think he's leaving his cows and coming up, so I knew. We, I went up to the head of the drainage and seen these wallows down there. So I went down to the wallows, like maybe he'll come up and get upset about this if I go into his bedroom and start bugling. So I bugle there. You can hear him responding, but then that's about the time I met up with my brother-in-law and we were talking about, he told me about his whole scoop of getting close and everything. And while we're talking, I hear the bull bugling right in the wallows where I was. I'm like, oh, he's like leaving his cows. He's, he's pretty fired up. So anyway, we keep walking, and we get a little bit around the base, and I'm bugling again. He's responding. Now the other one, Ryan thought he spooked <laughs> the other one, but he was still up there bugling right from the exact same spot. So I'm like, geez, go back there. Circle, get after that circle one. of life. <laughs> I'm going to go around here. We're in the circle. We're in the magic circle. Let's do this. So I just keep going around the basin on this road, and I'm bugling, bugling. He's responding. And I get a little further. He stops responding. I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? He hasn't responded to like three bugles at that point. I'm thinking, man, do I need to go down here? I'm just kind of slowly moving along this road. What time is it now? Now it's about 7 o'clock. We had started at like 4.30. Now it's about 7 o'clock. I've been bugling at this guy for two and a half hours. And turns out he's about fed up, and he's going to see who the hell is in his <laughs> but bedroom. But the wind's not blowing down to him? Um, it did when I was on that road. So anyway, yeah, it, it did kind of swirl down in there. It, the wind was still, it was actually kind of coming up still, you know, 6 o'clock, it's still coming up, 7, it starts to want to Oh, it's evening down. hunt. Yeah. Oh, That's sorry, 7, I was mixed up. 7 p.m. So you're going sorry. that way, so yeah. Yep, it was 4.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. then. So I'm just thinking, oh, what do I need to do? I bet that And pool. so I can't believe that, not can't believe, but you're half expecting other guys to show up because all this racket. Eh, potentially, yeah. I mean, I was... I potentially expected some guys to come up the road. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that go in there. Yeah. Um, so I th- I'm thinking, well, he must have just went back to his cows, whatever. I'm just sitting there in the road thinking about what I should do. And all of a sudden I see Tan coming through. I'm like, what? Oh, my gosh. He's like 60 <laughs> yards away coming up the mountain just like this. And I had my rangefinder out earlier because I had that one bull come in. Well, I put my belt strap around when I had my rangefinder from my – in my pocket. So I'm like doing one of those, like, ah, oh, I did that again. <laughs> Got to get my rangefinder out from underneath my belt strap. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's coming in. So I'm getting nervous at this point and I'm ranging. Okay. I get 20, 30, 40. Okay. He's, this is close. Like, wow. I, I love hunting in the timber. This is, it's actually doable. He's could come into 30. So he's coming up. I get an arrow knocked. And by the time I get that arrow knocked, he's at like 30 and he stops. And I think he hears a little bit and he's just sits there. About 20 seconds, he's sitting there, and I'm just like, I had. I usually am pretty calm being a guide and everything. I'm pretty, pretty calm and collected. 
but I was nervous at that point, and I started like, because <sighs> I had seen his rack. I'm like, this is a monster. <laughs> I was just like, oh, no, he's going to win me. I felt the wind go right on the back of my neck. I'm like, oh, no, just like hyperventilating. No, no. <laughs> but just this is one of those situations. Usually it goes all wrong downhill, you know. It, something happens, and they blow out. Everything went right here. I was so thankful that everything went right. So he turns and starts coming uphill. He kind of does a little number. So you like, felt the wind on your neck, and yeah, it, it kind of switched. Went, it wasn't directly at him, but it was. It was. He was. This is a steep slope, so it, I think it was just floating over him and uh-huh. off to the side. So he turns and he starts going through these gaps, and I'm, I have a chance to draw. I'm like, okay, there's three gaps there. Please stop there. No, he doesn't stop. He's moving up. Stopping that one, please. No, he's like, oh my gosh, should I cow call? Should I cow call? No, don't do it. Don't do it. He doesn't, doesn't know anything. He's pissed. And he, there's the third gap and he stops. And I'm like, okay, that's 30. I like put it on his shoulder. And I'm like, gosh, no, I got to do further back. I got to do further back. Get where that lung is really big, like mid body where that lung, because I always shoot high, it seems like. So sure enough, shoot, boom. He starts trotting off. And I look in my. Binos, like, oh, yes, it's good. Like, blood starts forming right mid-body. Like, okay, that's a good shot. It's got to get his lungs. He trots about 40 yards. Goes over this little rise, and I hear, crash, 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 crash. He made it, like, 40 yards in just, like, six seconds. He, boom, tumbled and was done. I'm like, yeah, I hadn't, like, <laughs> no, that's good, man. yes. I yelled out loud, you know. Yeah, I couldn't believe it because I was, like, just a monster. I hadn't even come close to getting anything like that in in public land archery. So, turned out to be a huge mature fully mature bull and i'm just stoked 290 pounds of meat came off of him we got oh, really? the meat processor yeah just enormous to the point where we got all three quarters off and we still couldn't like get him flipped over because he's on a steep hillside yeah we got him tied off and we couldn't like geez we just it's like 1 a.m we've been cutting on him for four hours just couldn't quite get him over even with one all the other quarters off guts out just big old Big old massive bull. All awesome. right, man. So awesome. And I just can't believe how it happened. Bugling this guy and he comes in like that. I I haven't had an experience like that in a long time. It's probably gonna change your uh hunting tactics a little bit yeah. next year, huh? It's like man, if you just sit back and get in the magic circle and start bugling. Bugle, 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 <laughs> bugle some bugle, more. Bugle. They get snack, get in his bedroom and bugle some more, get him fired up. Take a couple hours. So you never know what can happen while you're bugling. So you never call cow once? We did try it in the beginning, beginning, and they just wouldn't respond to it. So like, oh, well, I'm going to stick with the bugle. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just ladies. Yeah. He had ladies down there, I'm pretty sure. Oh. He was chuckling. And... So, but yeah. We should probably tell who you are now. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> My name's Eric Siegfried. I'm the founder of OnX. Okay. Go ahead. I'm Zach Sandow, so I'm the uh, marketing coordinate project coordinator at OnX. And you got Matt Seidel, uh, product owner for Onyx. What's that mean? I do a little bit of everything. <laughs> so um, I guess I kind of like to think of like the customer voice, but day-to-day operations is a lot of marketing strategy, go-to-market strategy, okay. and uh, kind of product development. So product there. owner. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a term that software uh, companies use. So kind of overarching yeah. vision for the product. Oh, I got you. I got you. <clears throat> I would imply. I would think that that means that you see things through from beginning to end. Is that not true? Like, who's the owner of this? Some things, yeah, yeah. 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 How long have you, all you guys been with Onyx? 
in the year. You're starting all. I've start been here senior, the yeah. lowest seniority. Start I've only with. been here, so I'm coming up on three years. Okay. Coming up on three years, I started right out of college as an intern, and then just kind of worked oh, really? my way up through. Yep. That's cool, man. Very cool. I'll uh, be hitting eight years in January, which is stretching back. Yeah, stretching back, to back the, there, man. The old days. What are we at? Like nine years now. Two thousand nine yeah, so, was yeah. the first so you, launch of the product in so two thousand nine. How many years did you? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. No, tell me now. How many years did you mess with it before it became a thing? Uh, I had been messing with that GPS product for about a year. Kind of figured it out late two thousand eight, and uh, took me about a year to come up with figuring out how to get the data onto the chip. And that was the original Garmin product for Garmin. So, so what? Um, <laughs> Okay, march me through this because let, let me let, let's step back in time. When I was when I was a boy, and when I would look for, I would like scour for trapping permissions. Yep, muskrat spots, whatever. I would go down. Um, I'd go to the township, the various townships mm-hmm. around where I lived in Western Michigan. Michigan, okay. So all the townships and all the counties. And I would go down there and get their tax record books, and they would let you photocopy pages for 50 cents a piece or whatever. Or you could just go, and you could also go and buy a township plat mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. I would hand that to my father, and my father would um, work the phones. I would mark for him where I wanted nice. to be, and he would get on the phone, he would look up the name, and he would work the phone until he found an inn. That's awesome. Right? Like, oh, you know, it's a guy. It turns out that's a guy from church's cousin. Yep. <laughs> and he had a really good success rate. So, and, and that was something that, yeah, that was like a, like a high-level, that was like high-level land information mm-hmm. at the time. That was like the most granular sort of piece of information. It was not easy to go get. Yeah. I mean, you had to really go. Like, That's advanced. Passive vintage. people. Well, yeah, like, like someone who's like flippant and passive <laughs> and half-assed about shit, they're not doing that. Yeah. So enter, when did, like, when did people first start having GPSs to walk around with? That was, I mean, the mapping GPSs come out in the early 2000s, 2002, 2003, where they actually could put a map on them, but. Mid nineties for like yeah. just remember the garments where you could just like see your location and see your little yeah, breadcrumb trail. Yeah, the first one we touched was mid nineties, and it was my brother. He he was working. He was doing a federal research project and had one, but it was before they fine tuned them. They were still within twenty five feet uh-huh. or something like that. And I remember wondering, I'm like, is this whole thing going to catch on? We would mess <laughs> around, you know. But he had to like check it out and check it back in because it was federal property. But it didn't have any kind of mapping stuff over yeah. it. Yeah, I remember using the ones where, with the black and white screen, or black and gray screen, whatever, and you just like you can mark your vehicle, and then you can see where you walked, and then you just walk back on. That's all you can see. There's no other data except this like gray background. Yeah, exactly. It give you the arrow to point to a waypoint. You know? Yeah, exactly. it doesn't matter if it's through five valleys; it'll point you as the crow flies directly to it. So, what was like? What's the basic? Um, my like plat book thing was just like a precursor to like that's at a time if you wanted to find out land ownership stuff at a detailed level, particularly when it applied to private land. Yep. That was like the way to do it. Yep. And then like but give me hit me with like a rough sort of like GPS timeline. Like when based on on your guys' memory, when was it that, P, that GPS became like 
you know, early adopters were using them. And how did it come to be that the, what are the sort of year markers where all of a sudden you could get, you know, yeah. basic map, like basic geographical features on it and then all the other overlays. Do you remember that at all? Not so much, but I could kind of guess. I mean, early 2000, I bet it's starting to catch on with early adopters with like, oh, cool, I, at least I can mark where my truck is and I can easily go out for a hike and figure out my way back as long as I like mark my truck. So lots of people probably have those early GPSs in like 2000. Hunters yeah. are starting to use them for that purpose. Then you get like the mapping GPSs where they actually can have like a topo map on it coming in 2003, 2004. I'm not sure on that 100%. Yeah. I think Garmin released a lot of their maps in 2008. Yeah. 2008? Really God, yeah. I feel like it was earlier than that. Their 24K topo maps. 24K oh, okay. topo. But yeah. they had the 100K topo in like 2005, yeah. I think, yeah. in 2004 maybe. But some early adopters probably had it. But then like 2006, 2007, I remember getting my first like 100K. You got a new GPS with the color screen. 100K topo came with it nationwide. Right. And then it's like, oh, cool. That's pretty sweet. I can at least use the topography to figure out where I'm at. And so I'd use it for that. And then uh, there's st- then there now they have these mapping GPSs. So then there's <clears throat> people making maps for them and kind of third parties making maps for the Garmin's. And that's where I actually looked up online how to make a map for a Garmin GPS unit. Like, yeah. why? So people- like what? What was going on? Like what were you wondering about? I had the man. There's so many things that so many times I'd been out there where I'm using a Forest Service map or a BLM map, and I don't quite know exactly where I'm at. I'm usually pretty good about figuring out I'm on this road or this road. But sometimes I'd take the wrong road and I'd waste two hours of my day. Like, gosh, I just made a mistake, and I went down that ridge, and I should have gone down and stayed on this ridge, and I'd waste two hours of my day or whatever, and it's valuable time. So. I had many experiences like that, so I was uh, I was thinking of I, I don't know why. Let's see, late two thousand eight, I had a certain experience where I was using Google Earth. There was one time I remember I was using I had like studied it all from home. Like okay, I looked at all the aerial imagery using Google Earth. I'm going to go try to hunt these elk where they're coming off private, going on to public. And I went out there, I'd studied it all. And I went out there, and I still couldn't. There's, like, a fence and another fence. I'm like, gosh, I still don't know where the boundary is. Even though I'd done all this research at home, I need this with me out here. I've got this Garmin with these maps. Why don't they have, like, boundary information on them? So that was probably an experience in 2007. So then I start Googling, learning a little bit more about it, and see the topo map. You went and typed up how to make a... (laughs) (laughs) Garmin topo map, yeah. I mean, and then there's... This website that shows here's how we make these topo maps. And all they didn't do was put the my public land information underneath. All I had to do is figure out how to put the public land data underneath it. So I go to work and What were you doing for a living? I at that time I graduated from mechanical engineering at Montana State in late two thousand six and I was doing in Missoula, I'd moved to Missoula, Montana and um, was doing HVAC design, heating, ventilation, and plumbing design for uh, supermarkets. There you go. Yep. So that was more inspiring for me to try to start my own company. Because and that, I left, didn't you, want that, to that left you some brain space to start messing around with <laughs> so map problems? In the evenings, I was just messing around. I started a few websites and was really passionate about helping people get outdoors and saw, had a vision for just like 
recreation information like on Google Earth, like more widespread rather than having to get like one map here and there, just like nationwide recreation information. It's messing around. There's a website called recplan.com that I had a long time ago and kmellers.com. Mm-hmm. And so I started a few websites. Learned a lot about SEO. Oh, what were some about. of the websites you started? Recplan.com, like recreation plan. Okay. Not too many people know about these, but KMLers. massive failures. But then Were I, you just using your own money for this stuff? Yeah. I mean, it didn't take much to 10 bucks to get a website domain name and 10 bucks a month to host. What were you hoping rec plan was going to be? It was the, I was like putting trailhead data and okay. recreation site data on like Google Earth. I got you. So you were in the, you were heading in the direction you went. Yeah. You weren't like, it's like 2007. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was all about, I was passionate about organizing recreation information. So then I figure out, oh, wow, I should make maps for these Garmin GPS units. You can do it. Here's, they're showing you how to do it right here. Okay, and when you do this, is it in partnership with, does it need to be in partnership with Garmin? Or are you just saying, like, here's a, a platform and you can produce a product that's usable on the platform? Or does it need to be that you need to be in bed with them in some way? Nope, it didn't need to be. There's third-party like mapping. making an app to run on Android. Yep, they allowed third-party mapping, yep, for their hardware. So there was instructions on how to do that online and went in, figured out how to get all the topo data from the government. They showed you how to do that. And then they just didn't have all, like, I had to figure out all the, where to get all the public lands data from the BLM and Forest Service. So I went and did that. And those were the first maps. They only had the color-coded public land data underneath all that topo and roads and rivers and lakes and streams. That was the first map. Then right after I launched. So what did you start with, though? Did you start with a whole damn state? Started with, yeah, creating a whole state. Montana, Wyoming, Colorado were the first products I launched. Once I figured it all out, that was like mid-2009. Then I was able to crank out. How many hours did you have into it by that point? Uh, That was evenings. Um, I probably had 600 hours into it. I mean, I did a lot with those other websites and messing around i made i, I saw had a website kmlers.com and i would create what, what was that one kmlers.com kml files the file you create for google mm-hmm. earth so i'd create these files for people for their hunting areas i just do small pieces of oh property like, like, like boutique yeah, specific so pieces specific. hey i want i want to load this onto my gps so i go get this one specific hunting area for people and get the public land boundaries and send it to them to load onto their GPS and load into Google Earth. As one-offs? You're doing this as yeah, one-offs? So. And like, what do you oh. charge people for that? Uh, pretty much nothing. I mean, like 20 bucks for that type of file, 30 bucks. Really? Yep. And I'd make... I just was doing some prairie dog guiding at the time. That was early 2009. <laughs> <and> <laughs> prairie I'd, dog guide by day? I'd make... Uh, make Visionary by night. Prairie dog maps on, on Google Earth and send them prairie dog locations. So yeah, really. Mm-hmm. So you're mapping out. So that's so so <laughs> mapping just random things and helping people get outdoors. So people would go onto your website and place an order. Yeah, I'd sell various things on the website. I had little products through buy through PayPal type thing. Like what other kind of products? All digital product products. I would basically <laughs> say custom. You know, I'd make a product for their custom GPX file for GPS for your boundaries. And are you getting any government people or anything, or is it mostly recreate, like mostly hunters? Yeah, that's mostly recreation. Then that was very few sales. I mean, we're talking just like MVP type style stuff where you're proving out that you can actually sell this thing. 
to customers. And at this time, how many other people are out messing around with putting property ownership information into GPS things? Is it like a crowded field? It's not a crowded field. There's a ton of guys, I later learned, that people are like, in 2005, I was making these maps for my buddies, and they told me to make a business out of it, and I never did. <laughs> so I've heard those stories. But yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, actually. Government workers were making these maps, probably 2005 to 2009. They were, they were making these maps. And, the and, and you were... But nobody else was commercializing it. There's one other guy in North Dakota who was probably doing the... Was like, so close in the exact same timeline. It's really funny. He was doing the exact same thing I was. And were you compiling all of the layers or just putting the ownership layer on top of something? I was getting all the topo data from the government and the okay. waters. So you're using like USGS yep. geographical features, roads, yep. you had the water courses, map. and you're just laying the ownership layer on it. Yep, underneath it. And were you finding that all of that stuff was at that time, was all of that ownership information online, or you needed to go in and digitize like like paper files? And So that was, remember, that's just the public lands at the time. So there's it's just going to okay. say private, and this is BLM, this is Forest Service, I this see. is private. I got you. It was white, and, you know, white color for So private. you hadn't got into like the tax record materials yet. Right. You I were just into this. like go, go or no go. Yep, that's like late 2009. It's binary, public-private. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, but you were doing uh, BLM. Yeah, it was basically, the concept was, here's a BLM map, but it's digital, so you could see your location on your BLM map or your Forest Service map. That was kind of the vision. Like, If I could just see my location on this BLM map, I'd have it made. Yeah, I was, telling, I was telling a story the other day of me and one of my old girlfriends one time were hiking. We thought we were hiking in Montana. <laughs> Because we're on the, okay. you know, you know how like crazy the Bitterroot border is between the Idaho Panhandle. Yeah, you know, there's even a famous story where they sent some people in there to map out the range divide, and they got all screwed up, and it spoke, that border is supposed to follow the range divide, but it veers wild, wildly. Yeah, wow. So for you know, we were up there for a few days backpacking around. At one point, we hit a lake, and there's a sign hanging on the lake. Like you hit the trail, and there's a lake. And there's a sign saying what lake it was. Can't remember what lake it was now. And I'm like looking at my map. I'm like, by God, I don't know. This lake must be a brand new lake. And eventually I find it over in Idaho. And I'm like, we must take a wildly wrong turn at some point in time because we're not even in the state. We, we found a new lake. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to name it Steve Lake. Yeah, we found it. And we had veered off into the wrong state, you know. So, yeah, I got the going to different. There's a lot of different sources. There's a nationwide public lands data set that you could get at the time. But then you can go to the, the state BLM offices. I found that these state BLM offices were a little more accurate than this nationwide um, public lands data set. So I'd go get Montana's BLM statewide public lands set, and that's what I used to put underneath that topo map and create the Montana product, Colorado, Wyoming, were the first three I launched with. So is that okay? So so when did when did you come up with the because when did you come up with like a company name and stuff? Has that already happened or not happened yet? Uh, man, that probably hadn't happened. It's right as the time I'm creating this, I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to market this? And I had learned a lot over the failed websites. I learned a lot about search engine optimization. So I'm going to use Google to, I don't have to pay anything. I'm just going to make sure I show up when people search for hunting maps. I sure as hell want to be the first one that shows up. If it's like Montana hunting maps or Wyoming hunting maps, 
I want to be there. So I, that's when I came up with huntinggpsmaps.com. Stupid, simple. Just say what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get fancy like these guys like to do. <laughs> were, were, were you married at that point? I was, yep. I got married in 2007. So Was she buying into this whole thing? Oh, man. I didn't make money for a whole year there. In her, oh, only a yeah. year? Yeah. I was, that was 2008. I, I guided that, that year. And Prairie dogs? Came back to the HVAC firm, and they're like, yeah, you can't. No, it was, it was like fall guiding for elk. And okay. They're like, yeah, you can't really take a month off anymore like that. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to start my thing. I'm going to try to figure out a way to make some money online. And that's really what it was. Like, I just want to make like 50000 a year online, not having to do much. And now here we are. <laughs> Still working. <laughs> Something went wrong. <laughs> Built a big old company and not still somehow working. So then, yeah. So hunting maps, huntinggpsmaps.com. Yep. And you come out with three products. Yep. And then everyone. And what year like, are we now? This is right at September 2009. And still no employees. Still no employees. Yep. And you got three states. Three states. And right Montana, away, Colorado, and Wyoming. Why did you pick those states? I knew the opportunity there was the most, and it was the most fitting product. Is it, the, is the, it the most? What do you mean? Yeah, you know, Wyoming. There's so much opportunity for people to come into Wyoming and get tags. Well, I guess compared to, I guess, Whitetail in the East. But this was, I knew this was more Western-type focus where you got the BLM maps and forest. Yeah, because maps. at the time, you're, dealing, you're, you're thinking public. Yeah. You're thinking about public land. You're not thinking this about, like, This is awesome. Won't. I can see yeah. where, the, where I'm at relative to public land boundaries nice and easy all i got to do is stay on this color-coded piece of land and stay off the white the private it's easy it makes it really easy pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service it's called the wellness company picture this okay you wake up you got a scratchy throat you're all congested you got a runny nose you got a cough whatever and you weigh your options like you tough it out get sick take time off work try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks or you open your medical emergency kit you match your symptoms to the doctor recommended prescription and you start on the right meds right away these medical emergency kits not a first aid kit all right it comes with doctor prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues so on hand strong antibiotics for infections of all types plus a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when no waiting to see the doctor no waiting at the pharmacy it's all in there every home should have at least one medical emergency kit order yours online in minutes your kit will be rushed to your door get 15 percent off at twc.com health slash meat eater but you got to use the promo code meat eater that's promo code meat eater okay at twc.health slash meat eater applying for tags each year in the west can be daunting yeah i apply for everything everywhere it's daunting you have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply well this is a thing of the past now onyx just launched hunt research tools to simplify the process for all hunters. This tool helps organize the data that matters, makes comparing hunt options easy, and helps hunters develop a plan 
based on real metrics rather than gut feelings. OnX Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground, insight and knowledge, and a membership to Hunt Reminder so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out OnX Hunt Research Tools, free for all OnX Hunt Elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. And when you put it up for sale, you put it up for sale uh, originally. Was it just micro SD cards or you're selling micro SD cards and then a download version where you could download it that same year that That same year yep it was originally originally i created the download version that there was instructions on how to do that then i had to figure out how you could actually put it on an sd card and like lock it down to that device so that was the big when i realized oh wow it's stupid simple you just get this chip i can sell them at retail and you plug it into a garmin and it works it's like oh wow that can be a business that makes it easy So I had the micro SD cards, and then you could do the download version where you load it into Garmin's Map Source at the time, yeah. or or Base Camp. Base Camp, now, yeah. And then you can download different areas. Yeah, what did it used to be called for? It was Base Camp. Map Source. Yeah. Map and there source. was no such thing as a smartphone, so there was no such thing as an app yet. So you yeah. didn't need to think about that. In 2009, yet. they had iPhones. Very first. I didn't. Versions. I didn't have Very an iPhone. And iPads. I had flip phone. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't really in the, it wasn't at that time, you weren't thinking about putting it on a phone. No, not at all. I had my flip phone and didn't even think about that. Didn't even know about iPhone. And it wasn't something that could be, was DeLorme in the business back then? Who else was making handheld GPS? Garmin, Lowrance was big, Magellan. I remember them. They always wanted us to make products for them, but we we could see the writing on the wall as as far as like, no, you guys don't have a lot of market, so we're not going to spend much time. Building maps for Magellan, Gar- Magellan, Lawrence, Delorme. So, so you're still like when you go and throw the product up and you're selling to three states, no employees. You put it out there and what happens? You start selling them. Start selling them, hundred bucks. I'm taking phone calls. I'm working sixteen <laughs> hours a day. Like, oh, taking a phone call. Yeah, we'll make it. Make a sale, hundred bucks. Like, ching. This is awesome. This selling people- on the website. People are buying through PayPal on the website. It's like, oh, sweet. This is. Was it wildly this is it. seasonal? It happened. 
Yeah, oh yeah, I just launched it in the season, and I think that first season made about sixty thousand dollars. Well, there you go. You were ten over gold. (laughs) (laughs) This is sweet. This is going to be big. I told my wife this is this is like an idea that's going to be big. This is a million dollar idea. Did you have a lot of money into it at that point? No. Like no loans and stuff. Invest really much in marketing, except free free ways of marketing, search engine marketing. Um, She did a little with Google AdWords, but not much at the time. And your wife was like, at this point, she's like believing it. So. Was it tense? starting to believe it. Was it tense or not tense? Uh, no, she's supportive. But it was a little tense with, I guess, other family members. Like, when are you going to get a real job? What are you going to do? Like, Jen's supporting you, basically. Oh. <laughs> it's been about a year. I was going to be a firefighter. I was. <laughs> I had tri- prairie, I went, I went prairie to dog prairie hunt dog don't work out. I'm going, I was, went to I'm the going firefighter to prep thing. <laughs> just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Because it wasn't going to be HVAC. It wasn't going to be HVAC. No. God, so, I always feel like our families let us down. Like, where are the where, you never hear the story? We're like, yeah, my whole family's just just going, yeah, go, Eric, go, Eric, go, you got this. Now you're like, like no, when are you going to get a real go job? Go get a real job. You know what? I, I, I got to counter that because yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, my old man was a firm believer. He, my, my old man was a very firm believer. He, he said, he used to pound it into our heads when we were kids. He says, you're going to spend one third of your life working. He's off by a fair bit. But he said you're gonna spend one third. <laughs> you're gonna spend one third of your life working. You have to find something that you want to do. Yep. Zero pressure ever about any benchmarks of any traditional benchmarks of what success might look like in terms of fiscal or financial reward. Ever pounded that in about you have to do something you want to do, and then even when I picked something that was like seemingly impossible from where i was because i had never met a writer super supportive Good. i published like one thing in field and stream and i'd walk into a bait shop my old man my old man I'd be like you guys know who you're talking to <laughs> 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 yeah early awesome. on man so i know that i can't say that i ever like you know and definitely never got any heat from my wife right you, know, you need to be nice yeah, well, I'm glad you're proving me wrong. <laughs> have you had people beating? Have you had people beating you down when you were out guiding? Were people calling you up, being like, "That's not a real job"? Oh yeah, really? Oh yeah, you're hearing it from your pop. Um, my dad was pretty supportive, but I think <laughs> we can go down a, a rabbit hole here. But I think it's because elk guiding was better than where I had been, and so he was like, "All right, <laughs> we're heading in the right direction," you know. But no, I remember stopping. Uh, my brother and I had a very similar um, experience where we were driving from Michigan. We used to always stop at my uh, aunt and uncle's in Iowa and uh, just stop overnight, you know, have dinner and keep driving the next day. And uh, both of us had like the talk from our uncle that was just like. From an uncle? The yeah. hell is he, what the hell does he care? Sounds like that's fun. But <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to start like, you know. Being a member of your community and, you know. From an uncle. Yeah. That's a meddling meddling uncle. Pretty old school, conservative, you know. Yeah. Is that that partisan? Being a meddler about having a real job? That's not partisan. Doesn't matter. Um, You're bringing that up because we were having a conversation the other day about 
what was it that we were just talking? Like how some things become partisan. Yeah, yeah. Like why? Like dietary restrictions are oh, partisan. Right. Dietary restrictions. That's right. Like yeah, gluten intolerance tends to strike people on the left side of the political <laughs> yes. spectrum. Yeah, it's like a weird. It's like a partisan disease. <laughs> um, we've talked about that in the past. So no pressure. No one's like, when are you going to pull your life together? And you're like, oh, I have a feeling that there's a business to be made in, in doing this. No, he is getting a, a getting little, a little pressure. pressure from the in-laws. Oh, you are, but not yeah, from your, no, 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 from your family, oh. your immediate family. Right, no. Oh, your, was, it's coming from your in-laws? Yeah. Wife was a little Ooh, that'd be supportive. hard to bear. That'd be hard to deal with. The in-laws are hitting you. Through your wife or hitting you direct? That's direct, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it like, was there's it one barbed? Time I remember. Was it barbed? No, no. Was, but it was God, present. What are you thinking about? What are you going to do? When are you going to? I don't know if it was when you're going to. Well, get right a now job, I'm taking but... a call because I got a feeling this is a hundred bucks. Coming <laughs> yeah. in. It was before that, but yeah, thankfully, no. My wife was really supportive, and she always has been. So that's part of part of the success. Well, stick with her now. Yep. So, uh, first season, you're blown away. You sell sixty thousand bucks for the. This is awesome. Take it down to Wholesale Sports Shield in Billings, Montana. Personally. Yeah, like, hey, check this out, man. The, you know, and you made a little GPS package. Counter. So you got a little package. Like, hey, you should have these brochures here, and you could sell some more garments if you just sell it with this chip. Hunters would love it. And the guy's like, the hunt, those guys got it. Like, oh, yeah. This and you're doing awesome. this personally. Yeah. Travel around. Yeah, Travel that's why I like, I like all this American elbow grease shit, yeah. man. Just go to the retail stores and talk to those guys. and Just walk in, yeah. go to the counter. What do you guys think of this? Had it in like some really just all oh, it was a little clamshell case, and it, I printed out on my printer and cut out the logo <laughs> hunting GPS maps, put some stickers. Seriously, stick, really? Like stick it with scotch tape. We still have some of the original. Mm-hmm. I would sell. I'd sell them to guys like that. It'd be this yeah. little cutout. So how many would a sporting goods store take? Um. So they they did say they'd take uh you know six to start. <laughs> six, like sweet. And you're doing it's like good. traditional. Oh, I don't even know what what is traditional, like retail, wholesale, whatever markup. Yeah, yeah. I did like 35 points. You just kind of follow points. what's normal. At the time I was selling them for 120. When when I started, it was 120 a chip. So you start out by just going to, um, but you're not getting national accounts. You're like going no, into selling to like, a specific this is Missoula, store. Montana. Like, hey, what do you guys think? They're like, oh, this is awesome. Okay. I'll take six. Yeah, I'll take six. <laughs> See how it works. And they'd sure. like pay you out of the cash register, right? Yeah, but then they yeah. have some of the stores have the ability to get local yep. goods. So they could just like, oh, yeah, write a little invoice and and pay you. I don't remember. It's more of a check, but yeah. not out of the cash register. But then right went to away. Shields and Billings, and the guy's like, didn't you just stop by two weeks ago? I'm like, what are you talking about? The guy from North Dakota had come over. Oh, you're kidding me. And just two weeks before I went over there, like, September 2009. Have you ever gone to have a cup of coffee with that guy? I've talked to him on the phone. What's his take? Yeah. He was just what was the he nature was of the, what was like, the nature of the conversation? Um that was a couple years in. It's finally like, hey, just uh, hey, what do you think about working together a little bit more and he's like, "Ah, this is just a cash cash cow for me. I'm loving it." He was saying it was a cash yeah, cow. Yeah, he's got a cash cow. He's in his house, working from his house, and his family's helping him out. So, yeah, he was having a good time. And oh, you were thinking of collaborating, and he said no. Interesting. Did he stay in the biz? Yeah, he's still in the biz. Haven't heard much about him for a while, but, yeah, he's still in the biz. And you called him to say, hey, man, let's yeah, see if we could. Like Wilbur and Orville Wright. Point where we were thinking, well, should we just 
he's doing some cool stuff. Let's just join up or see if we can buy him out. Have him join our team. See if he was interested in actually joining, like legit coming over to Missoula and being part of our team. And was he's he was fine. Yeah, he's good. North Dakota's happy with. He wasn't gonna move, so I was like, eh, I don't know if we can do it like long distance. Anyway, that was just an interesting anecdote. I'm like, for sure, are it's you an kidding me? He anecdote, launches man. at the exact same time. So I mean, no, I wasn't here, but here, check this out. And the Shields guy ended up buying some from me and got it in there. And that's a great way to. That's how a lot of the sales started. It's just word of mouth. People coming to retail, him handing out a brochure. So, what was the first time you had to go get a? What was the first employee you went and hired? Um, that was probably two thousand. That was July two thousand ten, right before the other season, right before the next fall season. Had a friend named Rob Hart who was uh, kind of in and out of like his uh, PhD, I believe, at the grad time. school. At what was he doing a PhD school. in? Chemistry. Chemistry. That was and I went one to of Matt's with friends him. as well. So. <laughs> oh, you were buddies with him? Yeah. Then Rob hires Matt just a couple of months later. That was beginning of 2011. Oh, so you hired Rob yep. to do what? Uh, just operations and help with phone calls, customer service, basic sales. business development, yeah. sales, operations. And he bailed. And I was going to focus on the product. He bailed on his PhD plans? Yep. He did. He was a little bit. There's something going on there and decided, yeah, I'll join you. And he hired you. And then Eric did, yeah. For what? So you were employee Marketing. number three? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So at that time, everything Eric just described, we were pretty much all doing full-time. So we were on the phone. Yeah. I, I spent the first year on the phone probably like 10 to 12 hours a day. Customer service. Yeah. And traveling, trade shows. I mean, we started expanding, driving around the country, stopping at every sporting goods store, just cold walking in, giving them a product demo, building tutorials, building the website. So you're employee number three. Yep. Employee number three. Yeah. And you came in, it wasn't like you guys were all like, your job is this and my job is that. You're just Mm -hmm. all doing all hands on deck. Yeah, at that time it was pretty much all hands on deck. And I spent a lot of time the first year on the phone, just a lot of customer support. So People being like, I bought this thing and it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or I can't get it downloaded. Yeah, the download product was a chore. Yeah. Um, getting people's antivirus software to accept a download. Uh, people didn't know how to download a file to their computer in 2011. Uh, they didn't know when they saved it, what folder it went to. They didn't know how to oh, do every step. Guys, so I like, remember. It's, yeah, it's like I remember steps, recent. Right? You think we've, we've been doing this since we were kids, but it wasn't. It was only It wasn't that long ago. I remember pulling. <laughs> yeah. I remember being so angry. Yeah. And I just hit download. Like Where'd it go? Just on the old, <laughs> just messing around on whatever the, the, the pre-base camp. Yeah. Yeah. And how do I unlock it? Because, you know, we wanted to oh, lock And then capacity the of your device. Yep. So you yep. get something and spend all this time and then fill your unit up. <laughs> And like, well, now I want to do another thing, man, but I don't yeah. want to have to go through that all again. So we were on the phone all day. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to take screenshots of each step, write out written instructions. So then we had those like written tutorials you could like follow step by step. And then we'd be like, with the purchase, you know, they would get sent the email with those instructions. They'd call. We'd be like, did you read the instructions? They're like, no. no so you called, have to walk, called them, you. walk them through it. <laughs> and then we got to like, I was like, okay written's okay but i'm gonna make a video so they like do a video some people want to watch a video version but it was just we were trying to 
do what we thought was best and help the customers really was our focus. Everybody, the feedback was so great. We were just trying to find ways to make it easier for them to get the maps on their phone. And they were just spreading the word. It just kind of. And were you adding states? So yeah, right. I mean, right away people are like, Hey, what about Utah? What about Oregon? Idaho. Idaho? You guys did Idaho early. So by early 2010, I had like pretty much all the Western states done. I was just cranking them out. But you didn't hit Alaska for quite a while. Right. No. Big file. A lot of topo. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people weren't really asking too much about Alaska. Yeah. So. so you would just kind of Maximum. follow the demand. Yeah. Just kind of listen to what they're asking for. And you knew the 11 western states were going to be the big ones with the, all the public land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So crank those out. And um, at what point did you start getting, like, what point were national chains starting to buy the stuff? Um, right in 2010, we found, a, I met a guy at a trade show early 2010 who had a connection with Wholesale Sports or a now Sportsman's, Sportsman's Warehouse. It kind of went Sportsman's Wholesale, back to Sportsman's, you know. So it was Wholesale at the time, and um, he got me connected up there, and we got him in retail in mid-2010 in Wholesale Sports. Oh, so that went fast. Yeah, it was pretty quick. They had good feedback from their store in Missoula and some of the other stores that were able to get them locally. and um, So, yeah, they were all about it. We got pamphlets and Cabela's all over the West, and they're recommending it, and we're just trying to keep yep. up. And are, at this point, are other people, I, I know your body in North Dakota, what is it, like, like what is the story of becoming sort of the dominant, like, 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 how did it come to be that you had, like, the dominant brand associated with the product? Because, I mean, it had, to, is it getting more crowded, less crowded? As in these yeah. years, no, it's just like surrounding yourself with really smart people, like Matt. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like, like how did how did you wind up? I don't know if you want to use the word win, but yeah, but what is going on at the time? Are are there like competitors popping up and dropping no, off no. nonstop? We're dominating no. the search yeah. results for one. Okay, for hunting maps. So it wasn't Going like the, the field wasn't becoming crowded. No, it wasn't at all. And we're the ones getting into these retail stores nationwide. We're, we've, yeah. 2012, I think we got Cabela's. into Cabela's. Okay. So we made the retail play, and then we did the search engine marketing, which those are the two plays that helped us dominate getting into retail and dominate the search engine marketing. So no one's going to catch you there. Yeah, we really right. attacked the, the digital marketing side of it too, you know, building our email list and building up the website for SEO and, uh, you know, Having the customer newsletter, map updates, emails, um, all of that stuff, the yep. tutorials. So we, we kind of attacked the brand side too and really re- reinvested, like reinvested, I would yeah. say, most of the money um, yep. back into the company. 2012, you know, so. the yeah. marketing really starts. Matt and Rob leading the marketing side, and I'm more on like product working with the GIS team to get all the data. So we had Holly at that point. Right after hiring Matt, we had Holly, who's still with us. Um, she's the GIS manager, so she's leading the GIS team, getting all this data and compiling it and making land ownership accurate, so expanding yeah. into other states. Yeah, that was, that was the next question. is what, um, what were the paths toward expanding the product all around the country, and what was the path toward getting out of just public-private yeah. but getting into like who owns what? Yeah, right away in 2000, late 2009, Right after I launched the product, then I see this Montana cadastral. Like, holy God, just holy cow, this is awesome. They got Montana had the whole statewide data set. 
digitally and you just download it, all the land ownership data. So I'm like, well, geez, just add that underneath. Just publicly available. November, yeah. November 2009, I had downloaded the Montana and figured out a way to shove that under as a layer as well. So you got private lands and public lands. But there you get into the thing where here you're dealing with something that just changes constantly. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. at first, like your initial products, like 20 years from now, that shit's going to be like basically right. Like yeah, pretty cool. Forest, service, that forest service land tends to stay forest service land. I was thinking, hey, this is cool. We can, with this type of product, instead of like a paper map, we can actually update this like every year. Everybody's going to want to update the hunting district. So we had hunting district boundaries in there. Yep. We started having all the walk-ins. Like we need to update this every year. So we were in that mentality of like, this is cool. Oh, so because you, you saw it as something yeah, that was going to need. It's going to be updated every year, especially okay. the land ownership data. As soon as I saw that, then it's like, oh, sweet. I'll download it once a year. And right before hunting season, we'll update it. What was the first point in time that someone came in, like one of the big players, one of the big, you know, GIS or GPS players or whatever? I mean, you had to have started getting people coming in trying to buy the company. Yeah, man, that was even late 2011. Trimble Outdoors came by and made an offer. What, like, how, I remember Trimble. So they had the Cabela's I know, I know that recon one. app. Yeah. yeah. So they were in the app, app space back then. Yeah. Yeah. Trimble Outdoors, late 2011. Yeah. That was T R E M B L E. T R I M B L E. Trimble. Remember that? Yeah. Was that? They had a great app. They were a little before the times. Like it's almost like hunters hadn't adopted smartphones at the time. They they did a great great app out there and just wrong timing. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little too early. Yeah. So when someone wanted like what was your uh when someone wanted to come by, like they they come and make an offer on the company. Were they saying like, and you're going to come too, or were they just wanting? Yeah, to... no, it was, and it wasn't. You sign a two year employment agreement type thing, and, and you were you considering it? Uh, yeah, but then it was like, well, that for that money, I'm seeing how much we're growing. Like, year, we'll be yeah. making that in two years. We'll be making that money. So, why would I do that right now? What was yeah. the what was like the, the early growth like in percentages? It was crazy. I mean, I mean, it has to be like like you like straight vertical doubling, line. <laughs> doubling and tripling. Yeah, and it's like quadrupling, tripling. Then it just goes down to like doubling every year after about three years, I'd say. But yeah, we're talking quadrupling, doubling in the first three years, and then it gets to doubling. Yeah, as you sign those national accounts, Cabela's and Sportsman, so you get that big jump the next year, and then then you just keep getting more growth, but not that big four x growth. So there's only so many sporting goods stores. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking of the land ownership data. Yeah, you, know, you talk about the counties. Or, yeah. Montana. Montana has the statewide cadastral data set. So oh, they okay, actually yeah. made it easy. Sweet. Download the whole state. It's standardized. Then I'm like, okay, this is awesome. You got the plat data. You're basically putting your plat books statewide into the product. Super sweet. Let's go do that elsewhere. And I start looking around. And you, other states, you can only go county by county. And sometimes they're charging like $10,000 to get their plat data to get that county so it's like okay who's wow. charging that the county the county's charging thousand private 10, companies five thousand yeah. ten thousand to get the data for what purpose how's it not public data it's it's public but for commercial i don't use know they, or, yeah, oh, they're like they yeah. knew it was valuable i think oil and yeah. gas companies at the time at the were trying. buying it Oh, to go knock on doors about yeah, these. There's other insurance companies that buy it. So, so there's already a market valuable. price set. Yeah. Yep. They knew it was valuable and they figured they'd make some money on it, I guess. I don't know. Some were free. 
some were a thousand bucks, some were ten thousand bucks. So were I was you, like, oh, sweet. Well, were uh, you going and paying the ones that were ten grand because you had to do it? We wouldn't do ten grand, oh. but we'd do a thousand, we'd do five hundred, and we'd go to Washington. I think because this state's got what eighty three counties or something. Fifty six. Fifty six counties. Yeah, a lot of them have like around eighty three sixty counties. to eighty. Yeah, that's pretty typical. So five or six years ago, you know, we get a lot of feedback. Why don't you have my county? And so mm-hmm. a lot of it was, well, at that time we couldn't afford it. Um, we had to prove out, you know, could we sell enough memberships in that state to reinvest the money to buy that last county or two that cost $10,000. Um, mm. Or some of the counties just don't even have it available, and that's still yeah. still the case right now. Or if they're more so. rural counties, they just still have, we got these plat books, but we don't have it digitized. So did you have to get into the process of digitizing some of this stuff? We never did. We just, we saw the... We would just expand to other states rather than spend time digitizing a county that wasn't digitized already. So what's so so? Let's say I'm in Colorado. There's might be holes in it. Yeah, there's. I don't know. Colorado probably still has one or two counties that maybe that eastern Colorado, southeast corner. There's a couple counties there yep. that don't. They so have if I'm down there coverage. and I go, and I go to look and I might not find a landowner, the landowner names. Yep. yep. Yeah. You might have parcel boundaries, or you might not have. You just have public private. It just says private. Oh, public camp. And when people see that, are they pissed? They didn't get what they paid for? Well, we try to make it clear. Like, here's our coverage map. Okay. You should know what you're getting before you buy it. I got you. But yeah, some people say, hey, you don't have my county. Like, oh, well, we'll work on it. And 99% of the time, I don't really care who owns it. If like the personal. No. You know, right? I just want to know, like, same thing. Not 99, but. Like what you wanted to know back in the day. It's like, am I cool or am I not? Yeah. Yeah. I was on Yanni's property the other day looking at his property. His name's up there. You got your name all updated. (laughs) My wife's pissed. So for some reason, her name didn't come in there too. She's like, we bought this together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. They have these primary owner, secondary owner, and all these fields that we got to try to standardize. And the GIS team does all that and makes it all look good, which is, you wouldn't think about it, but county to county, it's different. And you got to like, Standardize the attributes, and it's pretty cool stuff yeah, that they do. Really, should over three really thousand cool counties. So, yeah, so crazy. How full now? You, you've got all the states. Yep. Have you hit one for like yep. Hawaii? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Is that a states. hot seller? Not so much. Not a hot seller, but <laughs> so. what's the hottest selling state and what's the shittiest selling state? Matt. Matt knows all that. <laughs> Rhode Island. <laughs> They're not buying a lot because no. <laughs> they just and roll down they don't care who owns it not buying a lot um who's hot colorado's gotta be hotter than hot top five yeah montana really colorado wisconsin wisconsin's hot yeah pennsylvania pennsylvania well there you're just talking hunter numbers minnesota yeah yeah, yeah. so minnesota pennsylvania yeah. there it's just there ohio it's like, you just got new york is really strong is that right oh. yeah so. washington's pretty good yeah it's like Top 10, it's 5 and 5 to the kind of Midwest East versus Western hunting. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so you filled out the whole, filled out the whole country. Yep. Private, public. And then at this, okay, like let's talk about right now. <laughs> right now, you can, you can use this to feed in the chronology. But, okay, where are, where are we in the chronology right now? We're still early what days, year? like 2011, 12. Okay. To, to fill out the whole it's nation? It's all hunters. So buying this thing. No. 
Okay, so that's no. okay. So what other market group is starting to be get curious? I mean, twenty. I mean, okay. even early on, we're talking to rural real estate agents. They're like, oh, okay. this has just changed the game for me. We're talking. I mean, my, my realtor. I was just shopping yeah. for a home. My realtor, he runs. Yeah. He runs on yeah. Express oh, yeah. Home. Yeah, everywhere he yeah. goes, he's walking around that thing. I was like, oh, that's so and so. Here's your property line. He's, we go talk to that guy. People are using it for work everywhere. Utility companies were calling, like, hey, we need this. Firefighters, oil and gas companies, the the firefighters, the urban and BLM firefighters, the Forest Service firefighters. They're needing to contact landowners sometimes to get permission to go be able to firefight mm-hmm. on their their land. So like, this is a godsend. We can look them right up and get permission and get out there and get ahead of the fire. So all kinds of game wardens. Game wardens. Right well, I'm sure, man. They loved it. It's a simplified one. life yeah, for them. For them. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that is like the vision. Like, nobody's done like a complete picture of land ownership for the United States. Like, keep it current, keep it accurate, keep it complete, and we're going to go do that. And that's going to be valuable to a lot of different people. And it, and it is, although yeah. we have it branded under a hunt this whole time. We would love, we, ha- we have a ton of people using it for other things. But what are the percentages? I mean, predominantly. We don't quite know that. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely 90% hunters. And Is yeah. the fish market anything? People are using it for fishing, mm-hmm. but likely, they likely find it, find it through hunting, their other passion, and then they use it for fishing, and then they use it for their work or whatever, but they're maybe finding it through their hunting passion. Or a but, friend referral, yeah. yeah. Some people might just be a firefighter, and they hear it from other firefighters, and they, they're not a hunter, and they buy it. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits is not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. 
Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Applying for tags each year in the West can be daunting. Yeah, I apply for everything everywhere. It's daunting. You have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply. Well, this is a thing of the past now. Onyx just launched hunt research tools to simplify the process for all hunters. This tool helps organize the data that matters, makes comparing hunt options easy, and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics rather than gut feelings. Onyx Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground insight and knowledge, and a membership to Hunt Reminder so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out OnX Hunt Research Tools, free for all OnX Hunt Elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. What year was it when you got your first office? That was 2011. Matt was Matt was working from his house in Bozeman. Yeah. In Bozeman, Holly was working from my house. Rob was working from his house. So, but then late mid 2011, we got an office in Missoula. Same office. We we expanded it, but we're in the same location. Yeah, that place. We're now in Missoula. So then 2013 is a big milestone. So 2010, 11 people are even saying, hey, can, can you get this on my iPhone? So like, oh, geez, like, people are calling saying that. Like, let's start looking into that. So I start looking into that. And by 2013, we'd figured out, I was really passionate about like the Google Earth layering system. And I wanted that type of system in an app where you could turn on and off layers Got you. and be able to customize your map yeah. and be able to make smart decisions based on turning on and off different data sets. I geek out on that stuff. I probably shouldn't have. But it, it worked out for people. People like that. I know hunters who are serious about getting out there and being successful. They, they're all about the layering. So figured out how to make that happen. And in 2000, July 2013, we launched the iOS app. Yep. Uh, I believe we called it OnX Hunt. At that time, we had rebranded our umbrella company to on X and yep. had the vision for like, hey, this is going to be useful for all these different markets. We got fishermen using it. We need an umbrella company that then you can have hunt and all these other activities for apps underneath it. And be, so, who came up with On X? We actually all sat down at a table. The whole company at the time was uh-huh. like ten people, like late 2012. Yep. And we sat down and we're like, okay, so what do we want? What, we had all these ideas listed out. Mm-hmm. I still have the document. A lot of brainstorming. Yeah. A lot of brainstorming. It's like, what's a, what's a thing on a map that X gets you to your spot, spot man. man? What's the spot? Like, we're, we're helping people get to, what the, get to their target. What is it? Well, X. X marks a spot, right? And what are we doing? We're helping people get there, and we put you on. We help put you on your target, <laughs> on X. On X maps. On X. 
And then there goes huntinggpsmaps.com. <laughs> and then, we kept that up for two more, three. Yeah, yeah we kept know. that up for a while, but keep the search engine. SEO I know, I've so heard, it's, it's so funny, man. It's like such a clumsy name. I remember so many times just like talking to people. Like, yeah, it's GPS. called like, yeah, honey, honeymapsgps.com. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, and we struggled a bit with the naming over the years. I'll admit that. <laughs> hey, you know, it was probably like, it was probably, good, um, good thing. But it was probably like the right thing, right? The, the right thing the at the right time. huntinggpsmaps.com. Yeah. Was just the right thing at the right time for yeah. the search engine. Not rode that wave. Yeah. When you put those words in your in your URL, you get a lot of bonus from you know search engines. That's why I put them in there. Right. Hunting maps, GPS. Well, as soon as the phone was, companies figure out the dang battery, <laughs> there won't be any more GPS users. I feel like. Hell. I use I use the micro SDs a lot a lot of situations because. Um. I can put lithiums, I can put three lithiums, lithium batteries, and a Garmin GPS and get mm-hmm. days of use out of it. Yep. It's submersible. It can be floating around in the bilge water in the back of my boat. I can save a map pluck on my phone. That, pluck that thing out of there. Put it in airplane mode and use it wherever for four days. Yeah, but, like, but the thing is, in some conditions, phones are just kind of vulnerable, man. They're not like that big really? you're getting, in salt you're water. Four or five days on yeah, airplane mode. Got to put mode. it in airplane mode. Yeah, he runs airplane no, mode. No, that's what I did last week, and I was getting huh. two. Two days on a on, on yeah. a test. Here's the other problem. Yeah. Okay. Depends how often you're using the screen and and. Well, but yeah. you're, if you're yes. out on like an eight or nine day trip, the other thing is you got to carry external batteries. When I can just put six. Lithium batteries in my backpack. I'm just it's like I've been through this and I've thought through it a great deal. Mm-hmm. It's th- listen, the user experience of the product is insurpassable on a smartphone. Yeah, but yeah. there are situations like yeah. you look at it, it's like so nice, right? Mm-hmm. It's way ahead the of aerial the imagery. You got the big screen, everything beautiful. about it. It just looks everything about it. No, everything about it. Yeah, what's nice about the big screens, you're finally like almost feeling like you're looking at an actual map. Like we still, for every shoot we do, we have a giant paper map because we like to lay it out and be able to look at it and and, and be like, okay, this is everything at once. And that's one thing that especially, I mean, I'm still rocking like a 62S garment, right? Teeny, tiny screen Mm -hmm. compared to Steve's Oregon or Montana. 6'10". So that was better, but now this is even better. You're like, I'm like finally feeling comfortable enough where I'm like, I'm getting an, enough um, context around right where I'm at that I'm like, yeah. Because the zoom function is not way. incremental. If you're doing it on a garment, it's incre- you, you, you can like click up, right? Yeah. And you pass by the, 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 the scale that you're yeah. after, and it's yeah. hard to, to stop it. Right. Yeah. yeah, you kind of like can get where you sort of like have, you contextualize yourself. But some of the detail a, fades away. Yes. Yeah. But you can, on a smartphone, you can contextualize yourself in a broader contextual area than you can when you're using GPS. But I'm telling you, in terms of not quite knowing where you're going, having a big breadth of space available to you when you didn't plan ahead to like get all your downloads yeah. right, mm-hmm. indestructibility, and then just being able to run batteries for a long time, there's still something to be said for, for a very small subset of individuals who are like... <laughs> People who are knocking around on very long trips and very remote hanging areas. On. Hanging on. There's like, a, it still has a home. That's all no, I'm saying. Um, yeah. That's all yeah. I'm saying. But you guys must oh, know. Yeah. Be and, a lot of- right? I mean, the technology's coming, right? That where our phone oh, yeah. will last a week. No, because they won't do it. There's been exposes yeah. on this. Yeah. That's the week. The battery, 
This is some. This is some. They could do this it now. I'm not a. I'm not a conspiracy dude. You know me. You know me for years. <laughs> I run the other direction from conspiracy theories. Yes. I don't believe in Bigfoot. Nothing. <laughs> but. But. People go get a new phone because their battery went to shit on them. Mm-hmm. That's valuable to phone companies. Right. I feel this is beyond. This is beyond like conspiracy. It's like it's like, it's like it is a conspiracy because a conspiracy is more than two people agreeing to do something. I but you can still. I make, think there's engineered obsolescence. There's engineered obsolescence sure. in phone batteries. But if you make them last like seven days, they'll still probably after two years poop cool. out yeah, on you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. But then you're like, oh, well, I still got three days on there. Yeah, My wife's true. phone, she can't get to through lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Battery's dead. Yeah. But no, no it, it's dialed. And the other thing about it is the layering system is really nice. Really nice. Being able to go toggle Good through. To hear. But yep. you wind up seeing how your brain works because I spent so many years looking at USGS quadrangles. I can like, like that was always the map of choice for paper maps. You're, when, we, when we were younger starting out doing like expedition yeah. type stuff is like USGS quads. And you get to where there's something that happens when you, when, when you get to where you've studied the landscape on a map and you go to the actual landscape. And there's always a moment when you sit, when you hit the ground and you have this moment of like, Oh, so that's what this looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, I don't know that you can get good enough at maps. I don't think you can ever get good enough at maps to look at those and then get to the place and not have a, oh, so that's what this is like feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that skill level exists. But what does happen over time is you get to where you can look at it, you can look at the ground in a general sense, and then they, be, they meld in your mind to become sort of one and the same. And once you get a sense of the visual scale and what you're looking at, you can look at a quad, and a quad really makes sense. Yeah. Point being now... For me, if I'm looking at, if I'm on Onyx on a smartphone and I look, like, I, can, I get more out of looking at the topo lines. I get more out of looking at that than I do the aerial imagery. The aerial imagery winds up being more confusing to me than the, the very detailed 40-foot ink, you know, the 40-foot lines. Yeah. That up we had that happen the other day all yeah, the time. We, we, I think we shared Onyx whether we actually shared waypoints or not, but we had multiple phones out with other hunters that we were running into because we were in a hard-to-draw unit, right? Uh-huh. Which is the weird thing about hard-to-draw units is that nobody's secretive. Everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I won't ever be back here again. Here's everything I know, right? Yeah, yeah, you look at awesome. all my waypoints. This is how you get <laughs> first in there. Guy under, <laughs> first guy we run into hasn't even tagged out yet, and he looks at me, he's like, so you want to know what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> But it was interesting that everybody else that we ran into was they would pull up and they were looking at imagery and they weren't looking at maps. And I had to request three yep. different times to be like, do you mind, you know, hit that Talk button a couple of times? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see what it looks map. like on the map, you know, yeah. and see. Because where it the ridge doesn't is. make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Unless you had that, no, what was that old yellow, piece? yellow and green blobs. Yeah, my brother, like years ago, he had that shit where uh, he had the two maps and then that glass piece that you slid around and it gave it a three-dimensional quality you don't I'm know about what i'm talking you. about you should look into that you should make a little museum i think at some point <laughs> yeah. like a museum. you're gonna need to have the onyx museum it's gonna be like the history of how hunters have used it but you never seen yeah, those cool it's two maps and then an eyepiece a magnifying eyepiece on a stand and you put your head down <laughs> looking there and everything pops up into 3d wow 
No, and I, it gives you a three-dimensional yeah, view. Yeah, nice. But when you're running this aerial imagery, you can drop 1,000 feet and not, there can be a 1,000-foot yeah. incline. You definitely have the need for Unless the, the sun was in the right position. Yeah. I use the topo when I'm new to an area. Yeah, you got to see the contours and yeah, see what you're dealing with. This is probably way off what you wanted to talk about, but no, this is all this important is awesome. stuff. I was me. just thinking of like the early years, how how I realized like, man, if I get my waypoints from my Garmin and put them on Google Earth, I can learn an area so much faster. Like, oh wow, it's that one spot seems like it's so far, but all I got to do, I could come from this angle and like, wow, it's just like right there. But you think if you you really learn all the intricacies from like this road comes over here and mm-hmm. this trail comes in here, like oh wow, studying the. I can get there easily if I just go around and then I come up this trail here and then I can get to that spot where that bull ran or whatever. I think it's a much more sophisticated understanding. Here's the other thing. You look at like a a steep slope. Now, you can look at all the aerial imagery in the world. You're not going to see little benches where elk are going to like to lay up. But you can see parks. Yeah, well, yeah. That's the okay. I, you got to have the both. Okay, here, yeah, oh, there's a park. There's the bench hybrid. on the park. Oh, wow. hunting black tailed deer when you're trying to find musk eggs, you will not find a musk egg on a topo map. Even if it's got the vegetation colored in, you'll never find musk eggs. You can find musk eggs all day long. Just little open patches. Well, they're actually uh, dead lakes. Musk egg patches are uh, like extinct lakes, but um, you can find those all day long with aerial imagery. So it really depends. If I'm hunting up in like coastal rainforest and I had to switch, I'd be like, yeah, I don't give a shit about the elevation. I just want to know where the patches are, open patches. So yeah, yep. one doesn't replace the other. But do you get what I'm saying? I just want to make sure the point's clear on something. Do you get what I'm saying about that no matter how much you look? Do you remember when we flew into that prop lake hunting mm-hmm. moose up on the north slope of the Brooks Range? Mm-hmm. I had it in my head exactly what that looked like. Like I could in my mind walk around and then I landed on that lake. And I'm like, that's what I've been looking at? Do you know what I'm saying? Does this resonate with you at all? Yeah, but I'm guessing it's because you, like, your experiences put a of, of, of picture into your head that, that, you know, you just overlaid onto the map, right? Like, you're like, oh, we're going hunting moose. So you, who would think that we would land in a place where you're like, like the nearest moose habitat seems like it's miles and miles away. We're like up yeah, in the Alpine you're right. almost. Yet we were dropped there to hunt moose, right? So no, in your head you point. had a picture painted and it just didn't match up. Yeah, where's all the lily pads? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, um, but yeah, um, the aha moments, man, of early GPS use and then of early Onyx use, it's just so many mind-blowing moments of being in the woods and just being like, oh, no shit. Like these two parks are that close to each other, where I could just like hop through the timber like fifty yeah. yards, and I'd be, and all of a sudden I'm connecting, you know, one park, and you like you realize that it's like, oh, it's probably actually like a very subtle old drainage, you know, that's just connected in parks. You know, you can actually just work it all the way up, you know. Yeah, just, that kind of stuff, and the way like yeah, like muskeg patches linked together. Oh, and just exploring country, just like I used to do the same thing on Google Earth. I'd be like, park, never been there get that pin into my gps and walk in a straight line there and then i'd figure out like the easy way to get there right but all of a sudden it was just like new country all every time yeah. i went into the woods new country new country we're down in this is a little off topic yeah it's, it's only kind of off topic actually we're down south america in the jungle and these guys fish a lot of oxbow lakes and they kind of know i mean they've been you know hundreds of years thousands of years their family's been subsistence hunting and fishing in these areas and they fish these oxbow lakes 
But when guys started going down with drones with cameras on them, Americans coming down with drones yeah. with cameras, and they take those drones up above the jungle canopy, they started finding Oxbow Lakes they didn't know were there. Well, Off the wow. river corridor. Yep. Because they were never, they're not on Google Earth, but yeah, they're sitting wow. there looking at the monitor, being like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just wow. gotta, it was like a lake we, we didn't know gotta, about. We just got to walk a quarter mile that direction. And, yeah, yeah, if I'd have gone yeah. an extra 100 yards, we'd know about some other lake that no one's ever fished before. Full of fish. Yeah, so it's a funny realization. Yeah, we have stories of landowners who are now, you know, they're the third generation or whatever, and they're like, well, Grandpa always told me that was our land right there, actually. It's <laughs> <laughs> BLM land. <laughs> I better go take those no trespassing signs after. We have guys that are landowners that are really great like that. Yeah. Like, I'll go take those signs off. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. They had posted. They didn't know. And yeah. they didn't know. Like Thought it was sometimes it's like, down they hadn't noticed the they weren't paying taxes on it. I guess because you're getting a big yeah. tax bill for a bunch of land. You just thought that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Some of them were like, I didn't know we had that 40 acres right over there. I thought that was so-and-so's. Yeah. Or they found land they what? did they, they didn't think no. They thought it was the neighbors, and it was actually theirs. Yeah, what I—that's what I'd like. I'd like to some like yeah. to get a, to open that some bitch up and see my name written all over it's my stuff. I didn't know I owned. I didn't know I owned that. This whole mountain. Um. But all right. So where are we in chronology? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, because fences, you know, in eastern Montana and everywhere around the West, fences were built a hundred years ago, and they weren't built necessarily on the property lines, and so they just kind of became the communal property boundary. You can yeah. run your cattle up to here. I get the other side, and. And this is where it was, but do you feel that you got? Do you feel that your stuff is good enough? Um, the other day we had a thing where the fence was lying to us. Okay, is this is your stuff good enough? Where if you if something doesn't seem to make sense, would you personally? I'm not saying you're advising people to do this, but if you personally like, here's the fence, which I normally would have. Acted like, yeah. well, that's the, obviously the border. Mm-hmm. But in fact, it's 70 yards off. Is the technology such, you, would you be like instinctively like the fence is wrong? This is right. There's a lot of cases. Most cases, that data is going to be more accurate than like a fence line. But yep. there's enough cases where that data is a little bit shifted to 30 feet to 100 feet that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. So thir- the, thirty to a hundred feet is yeah. could be just off. Yeah. But the angle of the property line, like if the fence, if you know the property line is going ninety, you know that way perpendicular. But the fence line's crooked. Like, well, you know the fence line's off. But as far as where that property line could be, it could, you know, the straight line. You know, it could be within ten feet either way. You know, yeah, you yeah. know. But so I don't. I wouldn't shoot an animal ten feet across a property line. But if the property line's going this way and you're at a thirty degree angle. And you're like, oh, I can park and access this land, you know, because 70 yards, I would definitely do that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we have a ton of stories of people yeah. like, I never knew where my pins were. I went out and yeah. went to the corner and started moving some dirt around, and boom, yep. it was right there. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I sometimes it. it's like right on. Most of the time, it's right on. Yep. Found a lot of pins. But enough times, it can be 10 to 30 yards off. So I would say no. I yeah, you can walk right up on the pin. I mean, you're going to get within five or ten feet you know really? it's it's yeah. spot oh, yeah. on for my four yeah. pins i know yeah. that. is it really i'm yeah. going to check them <laughs> yeah. uh okay back to the chronology a little bit but i want to get to two things i want to get to the future because like you're done now the whole damn country so there's that yep is it do you go global what is it and two 
Like, what happened where, and I know this because I read a press release, so it wasn't like I heard secret information. Yeah. You guys took on, like, a like a partner. Yeah. To, in order to do something. So, I mean, yeah. You were kicking ass, just yep. making it all go on your own. What happened? We've got big visions to dominate the hunting market, and we've got big visions to do a lot more in outdoor recreation and help more and more people get outdoors and have a great experience. So, okay, Give me a for instance, because I, I know that company guys always get, like, Company guys always get where they won't want to tell you what you're talking about. Matter of fact, I pressured a company guy this morning and I got some info out of him. He was talking about testing new products and yeah. I eventually squeezed out of him what it was. <laughs> so what would be a, give me a for instance. I mean, is it sort of like in the same vein or is it like you're going to come out with a boot line? Definitely in the same vein of <laughs> creating an awesome location experience and revolutionizing how mapping is done, so kind of going off yesterday i wouldn't be surprised if we were able to finally show like this is definitely a public road and this is private road but that's that's that winds up being like complicated because it's history right like user like yeah yeah i'd like to i mean we need to make that easier for hunters i that's one thing i don't like about the product like i can scout everything else but if i'm going to a new area sometimes you can't quite Mm. determine if you can actually get to that piece if that road goes to that public land if it's actually not gated off or not but some people have been working on that because i i was amazed when i called i think it's montana dnrc yeah. right that controls the state yep. lands and they had like in each office they had a person that i could talk to and i could we were, i had my uh gazetteer open and we literally just went Okay. One after another, and the guy was like, "No, no, 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 yeah. no, no." <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. it was all no's that day, but like <laughs> he knew, yeah, whether or not there was a he a, thought he knew. Because what we're finding now is uh-huh. people think they know, but yep. they don't know. Because it's just passed well, down; he, it's not yeah. actually looked yeah. up from the legal records. So that's Some of it. that's that that's that fight that we were talking about with the high lonesome ranch fight. Is he would say, "Oh yeah, that's private road," but other people are like, "No, man." It might have been gated since 1976, but it was illegitimately gated in 1976 or what mm-hmm. have you. Yeah. But this guy's working on behalf of the state that I was talking to. Yeah, I got you. But even then, even they could have bad info. Okay, so, so what we'll, else? We'll work with those agencies, and we can actually say, here's our landlocked public lands. You have regional field offices where you do have those experts now. Tell us, is it or isn't it landlocked? And can you... <laughs> And we talked about yesterday, like the easements go to look in, mm-hmm. look into those easements, and so you might even be doing out. like a research function. Because is it fair to say that, like, at a point, what you've done is you've taken a inform, you you haven't gone out and created information. You've taken information, yeah. compiled it, yeah. made it usable, searchable, approachable, yeah. purchasable. Mm-hmm. Right? We have created GPS accurate, complete picture of land ownership. That's one of the big things that we did was take this public lands data, look at the private, I mean, we talked about that yesterday, look at the private parcel data, mesh them together, and is there a conflict? And usually those boundaries don't match up. The public lands data is like a little shifted off of okay. the parcel data. So we, because the parcel data is done by county, we assume the parcel data is more accurate, and then we'll match those boundaries up to that parcel data. Got you. And then we'll actually look through and look for these like, Timber companies that allow access, the GIS team will do all this research on Nature Conservancy, all these organizations that potentially might allow access. And they'll, so they've, we've created this data set where it's like it highlights these places where you should potentially have access 
anything that's a government agency, that's city, pretty, county. So, you, so you've gotten into like interpretation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we actually have this algorithm that goes through and pulls out all these owner names that we think likely give people access, including city governments, county, anything, anything owned by a government. Because you're a taxpayer, you may have a right to be on that. They might have regulations, but we're going to highlight that as here's city government, here's county government, here's BLM, here's Forest Service. They, you, sh- you might have a right to be on that property. Yeah, I remember uh, one time going to a uh, small government agency at the township level and pointing out a piece of land on a plat book, and I remember the township commissioner telling me, I can't tell you you can go there, but I can't tell you you can't go there. <laughs> oh, brother. We just talked about it earlier. We went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we took that as a green light. Just like it's illegal to corner cross. It's not illegal, and it's not legal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, anything else? Any other future things people ought to know about? Oh man, no one's on you guys' what do you heels. Guys have? No one's on your heels, right? There's other apps out there. Really? Yeah. Scary ones? Are there something really good that I should know about? <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> Honestly, we're looking. No matter what you're hunting, we want to have a product that will do something to help you improve your time in the field, and make it more efficient. You know, a lot of folks are hunting two days. We don't want you wasting time, whether it's finding access, finding where your trail st- or where your tree stand is, your game cams, asking permission, or getting into these future endeavors and being able to pattern animals and organize your data or your experiences. So we're just looking to constantly improve people's days in the field. You're not looking to get into a social app, are you? No social app. Social media type. Because no. you know these new things, I, like I feel like it's not not going to work. These new things, like you go and you catch a fish and you make drop a pin, say I caught a fish here for public mm-hmm. consumption. Yeah. yeah, dude, those people got it all wrong. Yeah, <laughs> hunters don't want to give away spots. They're not. They're not giving away. People spots keep telling me, but I keep there. looking at it. There's a, there's a guy I work with that keeps sending me things about these things. But I'm like, man, I just like the guys I know about are going to be like, well, sure, I'll look at everybody else's shit. I'm not putting my stuff on yeah. <laughs> But sure, if he wants to tell me that, that's his business. Yes. But you do have your group. So there's a community aspect as yes, far as like very small you have group. your group. You, so we, that's one thing we want to do is you can create your groups for certain things, certain activities. And imagine you have this 160-acre piece in Wisconsin or whatever, and you've got all your tree stand locations. You've got all your trail you cam share locations. It with your you've got all your mm-hmm. trails that go in the way you want them to go into the tree stands. Mm-hmm. And you can say, this is my group. I got a new guy coming in. He, he just came in at midnight, but I need him to get to that no, tree stand great. in the dark. I'm going to sh- share this data, and then I'm going to let him take his app like this, augmented reality style, and just make sure he stays on that trail when he's walking in yep. to that tree stand. Bob's he doesn't even have to do this. Yeah, Bob's going to be here. Doug's yep. going to be there. Come in this way. Yep. yep. Look that direction. Yep. Coordinate all that. Tree would you just activity. call that augmented the- reality? Yep, augmented so, reality. So that would be that there would be like uh, it would look like a fake, like a, you see video. the line. Yeah, yep. He's holding it up and he's seeing this line. He's, all he has to do is like so he doesn't know how, oh, so doesn't like know how to navigate. He's looking at a photo before he's taking the photo through his lens, mm-hmm. and there's a line. Yeah, there's yeah, a line, and, and, and he, he just, just has to like. If he goes off, it's not going to show the line anymore, and he goes back there, and then you can see the line. So he doesn't have to know how to navigate even a map. Yeah. Just, this makes navigation totally stupid simple when you can do that. And it's like, okay, it's, you're going to have to go out in 4 a.m. in the dark. I know you've never been there, but all mm-hmm. you got to do is make sure 
yeah. staying on that line. You're not going to answer this honestly, wow. but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, any of you guys can answer this. Do you ever lay in bed at night and think, what have I done? Because <laughs> what have I done? Because <laughs> I'm slowly destroying woodsmanship. When I think about those future visions of like, Map, when I think of maps, I think, yeah, I mean, when our kids, when they think of maps, they're not going to think of like this paper map and they're not going to have that. But we're going to make navigation simple. It's going to be stupid simple. And yeah, I guess it's going to it's gonna destroy woodsmanship. But I don't know. I think we can still pass that on to our kids. Like, okay, now I'm going to take your phone away from you. You make sure you can get back to the truck. Because in case there's a, an apocalyptic scenario, <laughs> yeah. you might need to know how to do this. The other day I was out, when I was out on Yanni's property, looking around. We were just looking around for red squirrels, and I had my boy with me. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, Yanni's like, uh, his, you know, his vast acreage, right? And um, <laughs> my kids get annoyed. They're old enough now to know when you're paying attention to them or not paying attention to them. And he was registering some confusion, because here we are, we're out looking for pine squirrels. But dad's dicking with his phone. And I keep him like, he's like looking at me and I'm keep like, listen, I'll just you know, try to figure out, I don't want to stray over on the neighbor's place, you know, and I've never been up there before. And he was kind of having like, are we doing this or not doing it? Like, what are you doing work? What is it? You know? And then maybe like I had this like funny feeling that I wouldn't have had in, in another situation. But again, there I am choosing to do it. And, and like, you know, you're going to go in that direction, but I do. I, I am I am aware of there's a lot being gained. There's a lot being gained, but there's always something being lost. But then here's the other part, the flip side when I look at it. The flip side is I like to have more information because it increases my understanding of the natural world. We use fish finders. There's a point in time I've even heard people say, Oh my god, you guys and your fish finders. Okay. When I first when we first bought a place in Southeast Alaska, a fish shack, we were using old nautical charts, which gave you really, it had just basically like soundings, okay? And we, our, my understanding of the contours of the, of the surrounding ocean, what worked and didn't work fishing, was based on just these really shitty little sounding marks. So later, when technology came in, and we started getting, basically, there we use, I don't know if this is something you guys are ever going to get into, um, like good marine charts, you know, marine mm-hmm. charts. There's no ownership yep. issue. But like great marine charts on a GPS unit that have like all the bathymetric data. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, that's why there's halibut here. Or here yeah, would be a great shelf. place to go and try to catch a yellow eye. Yep. Or I bet you salmon come pinching through here when they're moving here to there. Mm-hmm. So the old timer would be like, oh, you whatever can't, you know, this and that, and you cheating. It's a big crutch, but you'd also be like, but listen, I now have this like much more nuanced understanding of like what's going on and things that used to seem mysterious and strange and, ha- and, and like shit luck now kind of makes mm-hmm. sense to me. Yep. And I understand what the ocean does now better. Mm-hmm. So is it that I lost something or did I, gain something through technology right i don't know the answer 
I do. You gain something from your technology. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the Thank argument <laughs> against, because I heard it too, as soon as I got my GPS, I think I was the first one in hunting camp to have one. None of the other guides did. And yeah, I just got shit about, you know, cheating this, that, and the other. But what I realized quickly is that like, once you located that new park and you went to that new park two or three times using your GPS, the next time you don't bring it out again. And so then mm-hmm. you're, you know, learning it all, you know, and taking in the trail and mm-hmm. the surrounding topography mm-hmm. and, the, you know, maybe the tree you didn't notice earlier when you were looking down at your GPS that is a tree that you can sort of remember your trail yep. by. But, like, eventually you still come to the same understanding of that landscape. Yeah. But it's just a little bit faster. And I don't know if yep. that necessarily takes away from woodsmanship skills. And it kind of makes you expand. It, it helps you jump outside of your immediate comfort zone and gives you the confidence to go check out new places, which add to your understanding and yep. appreciation for, for natural mm-hmm. yep. environments. What it doesn't do for people, and this is going to probably stay the same for a long time, is it doesn't increase the stamina of your legs <laughs> and make you want to walk any farther. And so, you know, like, that's the big thing that gets more people into the woods deeper. So no, yeah. no matter how much you can know and how much it supposedly opens up, like still got to walk. You still got to walk. There. They're working on a product for that. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people, a lot of people probably used to just be like, "This is my spot, and I'm this is my yes. spot. That's all I do because yep. I know this spot. I know." It. And, and then now someone you sells ex- that spot. You expand your horizon <laughs> and be like, "Oh, I'm, I'm confident now to actually go." It's try opened new up a things. lot of access and probably dispersed some hunters out to other properties or yep. pieces they weren't. Comfortable definitely, definitely before, dispersed. So. Definitely yeah. dispersed. Yeah, especially everybody just went to the same trailhead because it was marked. Here's the yeah. trailhead, but now, oh, I can actually park a mile down the road where the Forest Service touches the road and hike it up this ridge on mm-hmm. an unmarked trail, unmarked trailhead, and cut everybody off an hour. You know, get in there an hour earlier, and then people walking up the trail or whatever. But other ways to yep. to use it. So more and more people parked alongside the highway during hunting season. Oh yeah, there's one on the interstate just <laughs> yep. going over the Butte Pass. There's a guy yep. pulled over. And we'll, I mean, we'll hear it from, you know, our customers. There's folks who, you know, they have all this equity, all this time spent where they found these honey holes or access sites. And then where everything that's wrong with hunting, you know, we open this up to everyone else. But as you said, you still have to hike up the mountain. You still have to put a good shot on them. You have to find the animal. I mean, you still have to get it done. But what's funny is we get these guys saying we're the worst thing for hunting. We're opening up all this opportunity for everyone else. And then we look and most likely, not always, they have our product. Yeah, and they're using it. I'm 20 percent that guy and 80 percent the other guy. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, and absolutely. But I, but I occupy this, like I occupy that, or in every aspect of life, I like see both sides of stuff to, <laughs> a, cri- to a crippling degree. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they spent time, they learned it. Yeah. You know, I would be frustrated as well, but it is satisfying. You know, antelope hunting. I went and hunted a place I had never been, found a couple pieces of state section that my cousin actually found because of our product but i would have drove by it i would have never looked at it and ended up having a couple goats on there and hunted for a morning and shot one never been there you know might not ever go back yeah but that's my my experience you got a silicon wedding ring yeah good man not gonna get degloved no you know that's what Mm. it's called when you ring tears off your hand your skin oh it's degloved it's a great word isn't it that's not Uh. why you wear it uh, during hunting season, yeah, I'll, to like, prevent put that, it on. just because you comfortable. Don't, you don't want to get degloved, or you don't want to have a clicking noise when you grab something metallic. Uh, it's not fear of a little bit of the both. Yeah. 
shooting the gun. I do a lot of bird hunting, so. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. What's your ring made out of? No ring. <laughs> You're not married? <laughs> not married. Really? Yeah, no What's ring. What's going on there? Any prospects? Uh, early. Well, uh, nope. We'll put a plug in nope. for you no right now, man. We, we've, uh, we'll, we'll put a plug in. We've <laughs> got <laughs> a lot of plugs. <laughs> Nothing's ever come. I don't know if anything <laughs> ever comes of it. You want to put a plug in for yourself? I, Phone number? I have a girlfriend at the moment. Oh, okay. Well, let us know. Zach's on Instagram. Yeah. Zach Sandow. Yeah. <laughs> There's a plug. Because we just give your phone number where you tend to hang out and see what rolls. I'd yeah. love to hear that it worked. No one has worked for anyone. On yet. X, nineteen twenty-five. Bro, he's there all day. <laughs> <laughs> they can find me there in fall, maybe not. I've okay. been traveling a lot there. So, um, what's your wedding ring made out of? It's a D Glover. It's got gold and platinum. Okay, it's all right. Uh, it's a good idea though when you grab your bow, like click, like oh yeah. man, get that. I've got a tungsten one because regular season don't wear that off, regular when season you get de- when you off burn season. your hand or get degloved they got to use a uh they got to oh, use a vice really grip to snap it off you have to crush it off yeah because it doesn't can't cut it with can't dremel. Cut it. yeah oh. tell yeah, you what maybe brother, i won't put it back on this is like my my mission life two missions in life one get people to switch to these no. and two get people <laughs> to have kids to keep their guns locked up and keep trigger locks on them nope. save, your, all save your finger skin you got young kids uh, six and two and one coming in the next two weeks. All right. Oh. And you got two. Two kids, yep. Five and, uh, five and three. Five and no. three. And I'm guessing you got none. No kids. <laughs> okay. Um, anything anyone wants to add? This has been a great conversation, man. It's been fun. It's funny because I've been, I've been watching it all, like watching it all, but not, you know what I mean, just like catching little, it'd be like if, if you're, someone's watching a movie. Mm-hmm. And you pass through the room now and then, and you start getting kind of like a basic layout of what's going on in the movie, but there's a lot you missed. It's filling in all those holes. So we took on those investors, which we found great partners in growing the company. and For world domination. World domination. It's, it's, we're going to try to go big. We see a huge opportunity in the outdoor recreation space and a lot of potential there. So if you're doing something in a city... You know, you use Google, you yep. know, restaurant, streets, directions. But if you're going in the outdoors, hiking, camping, hunting, fishing, yep, it'll be on X. Checking your properties, anything there. Yep. Where Google Maps ends, on X begins. Ooh, I like that. that. Yeah, good. I like that. But then I don't know if you want to have their name in there. Yeah, true. That's <laughs> just a. Because someday you might be buying those guys. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah. Any uh final thoughts? Oh man! Just thanks to all our customers and thanks to you guys for your support and really appreciate what you guys do. Excited for our partnership coming up. Yeah, man. Going for forward. Sure. I mean. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier with the final thoughts, and they're like, "Oh man, we got to think some." But honestly, for me, it's like like you knew that a concluder was oh, coming for sure. But for me, Standard. this is this is surreal because I, you know, I grew up watching your show and everything, and be sitting here talking about it. I grew up using on X, and it's great. And just seeing where we've come, really, not to play off Eric's, but it is our customers. You know, we get their feedback, both positive and negative. But we have what thirteen or ten customer service folks working in there. Yep taking parcel errors, answering questions, all that, you know, different ideas for features, whatever. But we listen to them all. We appreciate them all, even the bad ones. And it just helps us make it. You know, they're the boots on the ground for us. Yeah. Has, has a customer ever had an idea where you're like, wow, that's a great idea? 
Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I don't. I, I haven't had on my one specifically. What's that? <laughs> I want to use this on my smartphone. Yeah. Can you make it? Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, but I mean, it's been great, and looking forward to the years to come. What employee number were you? I was 46. So we got one, two, and 46? Yeah. <laughs> three. I'm three. Oh, sorry. Yeah, one, three, and 46. One, three, one, three and 46. And now we're, what, 100 right now. Yeah. You got any concluders? And a brand spigoty yeah. new CEO. That's public information. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It is. Awesome new CEO. Excited. Any concluders? Concluders. Yeah, you guys kind of nailed the customer. That was mine. But uh, <laughs> we've just been super customer focused since the beginning. But uh, I think the one thing I've learned is just um, how kind of precious our time is outdoors. So back to like, are we taking away from the woodsmanships? But, uh, you know, everybody has such a busy life now with kids and families and you go through different stages of your life. When I was in grad school, I could go hunting every day, every night, just check out of town and, and have a lot of time. But now as you have a family, time's more precious. So just using our, using a tool or something like this, just to, to really maximize your time in the field. We've just um, had a lot of success in helping people. You'd only have so many vacation days a year. Uh, you got to balance them between family vacations and, and going hunting and just helping people get out there, have that kind of 20 years of knowledge in 20 minutes, kind of like our internal slogan. Like uh, I can go anywhere new, give people the knowledge to go to a new state, apply for new states, go explore and uh, feel confident, have fun in the field not feel that pressure that they're going to be trespassing or have a landowner confront them or get in trouble from a game warden. You know, people are going out hunting to enjoy spend time with their family and friends. So, uh, just super proud to have a product that helps people really enjoy their time in the field. So yeah, it's gotta be fun to work at a place like that, man. Yeah. 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 We love hearing the stories. Keep them coming. I mean, that's what keeps us going. Our team goes really hard to make these products for people and, and we, we get stories where guys are like, oh, I would have never had this experience if yeah. I hadn't had that product, and it just keeps us going hard, and we love it. So keep them coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. we actually have, like, every two weeks we have a company get together, and we read positive and negative every two weeks from a customer that we'll get in. Mm-hmm. Well, so, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, we've enjoyed just reading the ones since we started working with you guys that we've got. Yeah, yeah And then we absolutely. forward them on to you guys. And, and then we just send them through our Slack channel where all our employees can see them and yep. they read them. So mm-hmm. you guys send them to us and we just send them straight to everyone working on the product. Oh, that's good. I got an idea. Is this, is this your concluder? I, yeah. Because okay. <laughs> I'm at home and I'm on Onyx. I'm like, man, that spot looks sweet. Should we like to go check out that spot? Ooh, look at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what I need from you guys is like an app that sort of replaces <laughs> me at work for a few hours and then at yes. home. So that I have that time. Yeah. It's called of, Onyx exactly. Work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, thank you guys for coming by. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah, it was thank fun, you. man. You guys had to come back more often now that we're like neighbors. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely. All right. We'll do. Can you talk about maps. That was fun. Yeah, and I want to. I got to. We got to interview ninety-seven more employees. Yeah. <laughs> got to so. talk to our GIS team and. Really yeah. Learn about all the stuff they do. That's really cool. No, there's, I got a ton more questions, so yeah. let's parse it out. All right. Thanks, Steve.
Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. Dude, they make some good shirts. And they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com, use code MEATEATER for a free hat or t-shirt with any purchase of a shirt. Poncho offers free shipping and returns, so you can try them out risk-free. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. 